Morning, everyone. Welcome back. It's, uh, it's nice to be back after kind of a break, back to normal schedules. Um, how many of you at Christmas time ate more than you think you should? Uh, how many of you had too many goodies and squares and treats and Christmas baking? It's like, I remember um, reading this story about <clears throat> a woman who had a, had a pie and uh, they had one piece left over. And uh, it was in the fridge, I guess, around the counter. And she said, you know, that later that evening, we watched a little TV, and, then, and all of a sudden that piece of pie just started calling to me. It was like, remember, I'm here, just sitting here, just waiting for somebody to care <laughs> to come and eat me. And it's like she couldn't get her mind off of this piece of pie. And she... And I don't know if she ended up going to eat the thing or not, but it, it was strange. It's like, if it wasn't there, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But because it was just sitting there, like nobody's business, she, she couldn't get it off of her mind. It was like, it was just, I've got to, I've, I've got to do something, but I can't just leave one piece of pie. But it's, uh, it's, it's interesting as we go into this week of prayer and fasting is that we're looking at an opportunity to tell our body or our flesh that keeps calling out to us, like, we just have an opportunity to say, no, no, like, I'm not going to give in to that, or no, I'm not, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on prayer this week. I want to I know what God has to say for me. So we're, tomorrow starts an entire week of just focusing in on, on our prayer time with God, uh, we're adding a component of fasting, and I'm going to be talking about that today in my message. Uh, but it's, it's, there's always a constant battle, I think, with the Christian life between the flesh and the spirit. Uh, and the flesh calls out to be satisfied, and the spirit is going, well, what about me? And sometimes we're so focused on the binge-watching or the, the pampering or all of these things that, that the body wants, we think it needs to have but we're not really focusing in on what the spiritual component of our life has. As I spoke at a funeral yesterday, I reminded people that we have two parts to us as human beings. We have a physical component, which has got emotions and psychological aspects, and we have a spiritual component that really reflects the heart of God, our soul. And too often we don't feed the soul, but we feed the flesh. And, and it's a battle constantly between what... What is going to have our priority in our life? So this week is like we're going to, it's a reset. It's a week of resetting, uh, making sure that we have our priorities in the right place and looking for what does God have to say for us? God knows it's going to happen in 2024. We don't. It's a, it's a, it's a year that hasn't been written on yet. It's, it's a blank year, but he knows what's coming. And so for us as a church and as individuals, we want to know what's on his heart. What does he see? How do we need to be ready and prepared for what might come our way that he well, is well aware of and he can help us be ready for those moments and be prepared for that? And at the right time, we can act because we've been on our knees. I've often had this picture of the Holy Spirit hovering around the city looking for a people, looking for a church that's on their knees seeking him, ready to move if he should move and act and pour out his spirit on his people. And, and we're saying, we're ready. We've been on our knees. We've been seeking the Lord. 
And now he comes and he pours the spirit on us so we can be, accomplish all the things he wants in this, this community, in our church, in our lives, in our marriages, with our kids. He says, but so often it's like he can't get our attention. So many churches are just busy doing stuff and programs and ministries. No, 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 we're working hard for you, Jesus. He's going, I can't even, I can't even break through to get your attention, you're so busy. When, so this is a time this next week of just doing Jesus. Just saying, Jesus, you've got my attention this week. I'm going to clear my calendar. I'm not going to be busy with all the other things. I just want you. So what are we asking our church to do? Well, churches all around the globe actually take the first week of January just to stop and to seek God, to be on their knees. And we, they have a, a time of prayer and fasting. Some people will go two weeks. Some people extend it. I, I, uh, I know lots of people that try to go a whole month without eating food. They just say it's so important, or, or, or maybe it's two weeks or three weeks. Whatever it is, it's so important that I get a hold of God's will. Got to get his, uh, figure out, get myself in a place where he can speak to me. I got lots going on in my life, and I don't want to miss what he has for me. We want to connect with the head of the church. We are his body. Jesus is, is in the boss at MRAC. I'm not the boss. The elders aren't the boss. We come before Jesus to say, what do you want for us to do? How should we prepare this year? What do, we, what do we put in our budget so that we can accommodate what you plan to do? Jesus is always the boss. What I've learned over the years and is that in a Christian life, there's no shortcuts to knowing God. You can't read a book and all of a sudden, I'm a super spiritual Christian uh, Malcolm Gladwell, he, he wrote a book called Outliers, and he had this idea that if you want to be good at anything, if you want to be an expert, if you want to be super proficient, you need to have how many hours? 10,000 hours focused in on IT development, on the, playing the violin, on what, whatever it would be. Uh, computer programming, basketball, photojournalism, 10,000 hours makes you rise above everybody else who just kind of dabbles at it. So I looked up, I figured out, if we wanted to be really good at praying, it would take, uh, 10,000 hours is about one hour a day for 27 years. If we want to really be good at it. And uh, 27, and I can tell you, those that actually put the time in to know God, they know him. They hear him speak. People say, I never heard God speak. I'm going, how much time do you put into getting to know God? How much time do you invest in that relationship? Well, I read my morning devotion. I'm going, but how much time do you spend with God, praying to him, talking to him, searching for him in his word, listening for him when he's speaking? You know, you, you don't, I, the more I spend time with my wife, the more time I, I don't, she doesn't even have to say anything. She just gives me that look. And I know that there's something wrong, or we need to leave, or whatever it is. It's just a look. No words are necessary, because I've spent time with her. We've been married for more than 30 years. So that's just how it is. The more time you spend with someone, I've already done my 10,000 hours with my wife. So I know her pretty good. Not completely. I mean, they're still mystery. Women are a mystery, right, guys? They're just, who can know? So what I'm asking our church to do is spend deliberate, focused, unhindered time with God. 
to seek his guidance and directions for yourself, your family, and for our church. So at the end of the week, next week, next Sunday night, we're going to gather here, and I want to know what God has said to you. I want you to tell me what God has been revealing to you, what, what, what he's put on your heart, what, what surprises or, or, or ideas or communications that the Spirit of God has been talking to you about. Because no one here has got all of the spiritual gifts, not even Pastor Tom. Like, I've got a few, but I don't got them all. And so what we need is the whole body comes together and says, this is what God's been saying to me. And we, we share with one another. And then we take what God says to you and we put it down on paper. We look to see, are there, is there a pattern here? Is there a direction here? And uh, we, we begin to see what God is working in the body, his body, how he's speaking. Teenagers, I don't know how many times, well, I shouldn't say it this way, but I say, how many times my teenagers have given me insight? Uh, sometimes you can say rebuked me uh, for something. Sometimes I get upset or angry and I... And I, and I can, can go in the wrong direction and I say, Dad, calm down. I'm like, what? <laughs> Dad, it's not that bad. Let's pray. He's going, okay, you pray. I'm too mad to pray. <laughs> Teenagers can give insight. Kids can give insight. Anyone in the body can give insight that God has been speaking to them. So that says everyone here is important. You're significant. And God may want to use you to give direction and guidance to our church we will pray as a leadership team, as elders, as staff, to say, how is God wanting, what is he saying to us through his body? So Sunday night, and I tell you, the last couple of years we've done this, it's been an extremely emotional time together. The first time we did it was after COVID, and it was the first time that we, we actually got in a big circle around the whole auditorium, and we looked at each other in the face. First time that we saw people without a mask. It was, it was like, wow, this is the body, this is our family. Uh, last year was even better. I think, I think this is something that's going to continue to grow in the life of our church. So the Bible mentions fasting more than 70 times. And we look at this spiritual practice as like, what are you talking about? Me not eat food? Like, that's not possible. So tell me, raise your hand if you're the kind of person that can go all day long and, and realize you haven't eaten anything. Are you that kind of person? Raise your hand. I want to see who you weird people are. <laughs> So what about, my wife is like that. She's like, oh, I don't, I'm, why am I getting so weak? Like, I haven't eaten anything all day. Going, like, when I get up in the morning, I'm thinking, I already know what I'm going to have for lunch, where I'm going to go. It's like planning a supper. It's like, it's like I know my whole day, like all the different foods that could be added. And uh, If you're like that, when you wake up in the morning, do you already know your day and where all the food stops are? Like, I see a couple of hands. Yes, I see that. Yeah, why is that? It's, 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 it's something that we, we, we're kind of just conditioned to do. It's like the habit, the routines that we're in, the ruts that we're in. And, and, and I don't want to be that person that, that plans my entire day around food. Like, how can that be a controlling factor in my schedule? Like, if you're a diabetic or you have uh, medical issues, yeah, you, got, that's, you don't have an option, right? That's just the way life is for you. You have to eat at certain times. But the purpose of fasting is not to lose weight. Uh, it, the purpose of fasting is to say, there's something more important in my life. This week, what I want to do is not focus on the physical. I want to focus on the spiritual. 
Some people think that fasting maybe is just in the Bible for super spiritual Christians or ancient cultures or some kind of biblical anomaly. Well, in the scriptures we'll look at in just a minute, it was just an expected thing. There's a lot of people who fast every week their whole life. It's like, I'm not going to eat on Wednesdays or I'm not having lunch um, this week. It's just they want to use this time to, to seek the Lord. So the word fasting itself means to afflict the soul or self, as in practicing self-denial. What is, fasting does is it says, I, I'm not going to let the flesh be the boss. I'm going to let the spirit be the boss. And that's why they, they, they want to keep things in proper perspective all the time. So regular fasting is just a reminder that the boss should be the spirit, our soul, what God is doing in us, not the flesh. So, I, you know, to keep things in perspective, you know, I, I confess I did go get a pedicure one time. I think my wife looked at my toenails and says, you need a pedicure. I'm like, okay. She, so I went one time, and I'm thinking, this is really kind of, because they didn't do the, I didn't have my nails painted, just so you know. It was more like a foot massage thing and cleaning and whatever they need to do and, and taking the file and the hedge trimmers and all that. <laughs> when I'm sitting there thinking, like, I've been in Africa eight different times. I've been in India. I've been in a lot of countries that were developing countries and where people don't have a lot. You know, I just didn't know, notice a lot of painted toenails. In these, I didn't notice a lot of uh, painted fingernails. I didn't notice a lot of fancy hairdos. Uh, it's mostly hand-to-mouth existence. It's just surviving. It's just, and, and somehow... They're happy. I mean, in one village, uh, Marikonda in, uh, in Sudan, there was not even electricity. There was no cars, no bicycles. They had flip-flops, shorts, and a t-shirt. That was their in total attire. I don't even know if they had two t-shirts. And uh, somehow they're happy and they're content. The, 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 I saw one kid, he, he had a, a milk jug with wheels on it pulling, pulled by a string. That was his toy. And I think about what was under the Christmas trees in so many places this year. So many electronics and different, you know, amazing things. Yet we're still not happy. We're not content because we've allowed the world, the flesh, to just keep telling us what we need and what we should have and what we should give our kids and what our kids should have compared to other kids. And, and, and I just, what is I was sitting there getting my, my feet massaged or something and I'm thinking, you know, this is indulgent. I mean, it's nice to have nice feet if you're into that. And nice, all that. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying, what's the priority? Where are, we, are you spending as much time on your soul as you're spending on your flesh? Does, do they get equal time? Or, or are we waking up at one in the morning realizing that the TV is still on after we've just binge watched 12 different episodes, or maybe eight by then, uh, and thinking, oh, what did I just do? How did I let my body control my flesh decide that I'm just, I need to watch this series? This week, we don't. The purpose of fasting is not found in what we choose to give up. It's found in what we choose to add to our life. We're adding time with God. We're adding a focus on Him. We're letting Him direct and guide us. We're saying, God, there's so many important things I need to know about And unless I spend time with you, I will never know. 
I need you to tell me, God, what needs to happen in my life. Show me stuff in my life that doesn't need to be there. How do I relate to my family member who's not talking to me anymore? How do I, how do I deal with my boss who just is on my case all the time? When we come before him, he gives the answers. He gives us direction. He answers the questions we have. The goal, the purpose of fasting is to find God. So it's true that the, the Bible doesn't command us to fast, doesn't require or demand us to, to fast in order to be acceptable to God. It doesn't present fasting as, a, as a, a box you have to check off. But it does say fasting is good and beneficial and profitable for us. The book of Acts, chapter 13 and 14, says the entire church fasted together before they made important decisions. The Gospels record that Jesus fasted and prayed 40 days before he started his ministry. He needed to know what the Father had on his heart. The disciples fasted and prayed after his resurrection from the dead and the ascension to heaven. So fasting is taking our eyes off of the things of this world and focusing completely on God. It's a way to demonstrate to God and to ourselves that we are serious about our relationship with him. He is more important than anything else. So, I mean, you got to cook for your kids, okay? I'm not saying don't make food, but maybe instead of participating, you're saying, you know, not today. Today I want to really have a priority of my soul is more important than my flesh. So let's go directly to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Because if fasting is, is taking our eyes off of the things of this world and focusing completely on God, it's a way to demonstrate that he's more important than anything else. In fact, what I understand, and this is true, uh, what I've experienced is that fasting will take your prayer life to a whole new level. You think that you're just fasting for the sake of fasting, but it's, there's, the benefit is that your, your spiritual acuity is increased. You could hear more clearly from the Spirit. You, you sense that God is more present. You're, the Word, when you're reading in the Scripture, comes more alive because you're saying no to the flesh and you're saying yes to the Spirit. So in Matthew 6, Verse 5, Jesus says, Whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to stand in the synagogue and on the street corners so that they will be seen by people. I tell you with certainty that they have their full reward. They were doing it for show, and they got the attention of people, and we're done. He says, But when you pray, go to your room. Close your door. Pray to your Father who is hidden, and your Father who sees from the hidden place will reward you. Don't pray for show. Pray to know God. And when you're praying, don't say meaningless things like the Gentiles do because they think they will be heard by being so wordy. How many of you know how to pray in King James? Thou and thee and all that kind of stuff. Some people figure that's the only way you pray because that's respectful to God. Going, no, he wants to hear from you and your heart. What do you have to say to him? Don't be like the hypocrites because your Father in heaven knows what you need before you even ask him. And then he goes on to say in verse 16, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites either. Sad face where they disfigure their faces so they may appear to men for fasting. And I say that they, have their, they, they fast because it was part of their culture. They put ashes on their head. They didn't dress up. They didn't wash their face. And Jesus is saying they're doing it for show to get people's attention, to show everybody, look how holy I am. 
well, it doesn't work. You're not so holy if you're doing it to get people's attention, Jesus is saying. If you want to fast and get a benefit, then do it without publicizing it. Don't say, I'm fasting this week. I can't go to lunch with you. Just say, hey, how about we have coffee today? Uh, I'm kind of tied up over lunch. <laughs> when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites that are sad. They disfigure their faces so they can appear the show that they're fasting, I'd say, they've got their reward, but when you fast, dress up, anoint your head, wash your face, so you don't appear to men to fast, but to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So number one, Jesus assumes that his followers will be seeking God in prayer. He assumes that we're going to be looking for answers from him, that we want to have a fellowship with God himself. He's our Father. We need to spend time with our Father. It's part of our, it's the foundation of our Christian life. If you take, a perp, if you remove personal, meaningful prayer from your life, all you have left is religion, just religious activity. But we want to connect with God through our prayer time. And here, also, Jesus assumes that his followers will be doing spiritual fasting as well. It was normative. It wasn't unusual or peculiar. What I find often, too, if, if, you, if you really do have some serious things that are going to go on in your life, if you've got some issues that you're facing, if you know you've got a really difficult decision, uh, friends of mine and my, myself also, when I, when I have a big decision like choosing a church to go to to become their pastor, well, I, want, I need desperately to hear from God. I need his opinion. I need his direction. I need an answer from him. God, you know what's best. I don't. There's some good options here, but I want what your will is. And people will fast until they hear from God. However long that takes, they will just say, I'm, I need an unhindered time with God, and I, want, I can't move without his answer. So as long as it takes, I'm going to spend time before God. At the beginning of Christ's ministry, he went out into the wilderness for 40 days where he ate nothing. And he was tempted by Satan. Remember what Jesus said to Satan when he tempted Christ to break his fasting and turn rocks into bread? Hey, Jesus, you've got to be so hungry. Look at those nice, round, smooth stones. Don't they look like a little loaf of bread? All you've got to do is just snap your finger and, and you can have all the bread you want. And what did he say? Matthew 4, 4. It's written, one must not live on bread alone but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. When he was talking with the woman at the well in John 4, 31, meanwhile the disciples, it says, were urging him, Rabbi, have something to eat. But he told them, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. And the disciples began to say to one another, no one has brought him anything to eat, have they? Jesus says, my food is doing the will of the one who sent me and completing his work. Jesus is putting it in perspective. Like there's, there's two kinds of food. There's a physical kind of food, but there's a spiritual kind of food. And one satisfies the soul. The other one satisfies the stomach. Uh, one of our uh, congregants here, uh, his name's Raul. He's down in the States. He's got uh, work down there. And he, he sent me a text message today, a screenshot. And it, he looked up churches uh, close to me. And the, the list of answers on his search, the first 12 things was church's fried chicken. 
I said, yeah, I'll feed the stomach, but I won't feed the soul. True story. <laughs> Fasting is not to appear more spiritual than others. The hypocrites of Jesus' day didn't shave, they didn't bathe, they didn't wash their face, they didn't do their hair. They wanted to show everybody how spiritual they were. And they wanted the attention of people. Jesus is telling us that religion is not about getting people's attention. It's not showing how amazing you are, how generous you are, how good you are, how involved you are, how busy you are for the church. That's not what this is about. This is about knowing God and letting him direct our priorities and our activities. Fasting is not to get God's attention either because of, all. look at all I'm sacrificing for you, God. <laughs> you know, it is funny, not funny, it's sad that... Uh, you know, what we give up, for the most part, even if, you're, if you have a Catholic background, I understand that lots of people give things up for Lent. You know, we're going to give up TV. Some people give up driving a car. They'll walk, take their bike, take the bus. They'll give up chocolate. You know, all these things that we give up. But in truth, most of the stuff we give up, 80% of the world doesn't have. We're just giving up. We're just being inconvenienced. We're not actually sacrificing anything. They don't have cars. They don't have chocolate. They don't have Netflix to give up. They don't have internet scrolling on their cell phone to give up. They don't have that. We, in the first world countries, give up stuff that they don't even have. How is that a sacrifice? That's just being inconvenienced. Or Verse 17 says that your Father in heaven will reward your searching and your seeking for him. He will be found by you. It reflects Jeremiah 29, 12. When you call out to me, he says, and come to pray to me, I will hear you. And when you seek me and find me, when you search me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. The, a, a bigger thing, a bigger picture for fasting and prayer is that this may be the week that you get your spiritual breakthrough in your life. Maybe you've been struggling for something for quite a while. Maybe there's something your flesh demands of you. You can't drive by the liquor store without going in. You can't flick, put on Facebook without being there for 45 minutes. You can't turn on Netflix without watching three or four more series. There's stuff that just calls out to you. There's habits maybe that are needing to be broken. There's attitudes that you have that are ruining relationships. Whatever it is, this may be the week that God brings that breakthrough where you can get over that, pass that through that, and subdue that and say, it will no longer control my life. It will no longer call out to me and I have to come running every time it does. The Father will reward us. We will have a spiritual breakthrough. Fasting, uh, Gentizen Franklin says, fasting opens the door to a deeper and a more intimate, powerful relationship with God. Maybe that job you've been looking for comes through. That relationship that is broken is restored. That direction you're looking for will be revealed to you. The problem you're facing will be resolved. The struggle you face every day in and day out will be overcome in victory because you decided to put God first this week. You decided to fall on your knees and say, God, enough, I can't do this anymore on my own. I'm not succeeding in life. I'm not succeeding in relationships. I've, I need you. Maybe you've not had any focused time before God. Maybe you've never taken prayer seriously or truly sought your heavenly Father before. Maybe your prayer is very haphazard and distracted. 
You want to pray, you want to read and reflect on God's word, but you just never seem to have time for it. No wonder God seems silent. No wonder you don't have victory in your life. No wonder you struggle in your relationships or in your job or with your purpose in life. Your relationship with God is stagnant and is going nowhere. It's 2024. Isn't that scary? It's a brand new year. What do you want to see happen this year? The storehouse of God's blessings and breakthroughs for you has never been accessed before, and it's time that you fully realize your relationship with God and let him be your heavenly father and help you. Okay, yes, you will experience some headaches as your body searches for caffeine fix or that sugar spike. There will be physical uh, issues when you fast, when you give up food. Um, I like to have miso soup. I'm not eating food, but I'm some broth or that kind of stuff. I, okay, so I still have coffee. I have to make it through. The, you know, do I have to have coffee or do I just need to have coffee? I'm working on that one. But I don't have food food. And I, I'm personally, I try to go to like four days in a row without fat, like till Thursday, just to say, I don't, and the first two, three days, it's like I don't even miss food. Like how, I got so much food in me already that I can burn up. <laughs> You know, let's get rid of all this extra food that's just sitting around. And by Thursday, it's like, oh, I'm starting to get a little hungry. And that, that's, the, that's the battle zone for me. It's like Thursday saying, do I have a little snack? Do I give in? What a rummage around in my desk. Is there anything hiding in the back corner there? But who's going to be the boss? Take an aspirin if you have a headache. Have some clear juice or soup. There's actually instructions in the booklet about what fasting is all about, how you can manage it. Your body will cry out to be satisfied, to be, have its longing fulfilled, to be spoiled and pampered. Who's in charge? Your stomach or your soul? Your body or your spirit? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 26, this is the way I run with a clear goal in mind that this is the way I fight, not like someone shadow boxing. I keep on disciplining my body, making it serve me, so that after I have pre- preached to others, I myself will not somehow be disqualified. Two reasons to pray and fast. One, the Bible tells us to. And second, it puts, in, uh, puts us in the best possible spiritual position for a breakthrough in our life, to know God, to hear from him important things that we need to know. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist denomination, fasted every Wednesday and Friday. And if you were one of his uh, pastors in training, you also had to fast Wednesdays and Friday. The Apostle Paul, Martin Luther, John Calvin made it a continual part of their walks with God. People that go deep with God learn how to discipline themselves and find God at a deeper level. So when you feel the overwhelming temptation to eat, I'm feeling hungry, just Let that be your reminder to pray. Thank you, Satan, for reminding me I should eat. I'm going to pray instead. Take that. We're going to take a moment even now to to pray as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Remember Christ, who was the example for us, sacrificed his body for us. The physical body he denied himself what we have every day. He gave his life for us that we could have salvation. 
We're going to honor him. I'm going to ask my helpers to come forward at this time and our worship team as well. Would you just close your eyes where you are? Would you focus in your mind on a picture of Jesus? Maybe the cross, whatever comes to mind. What does Jesus look like to you? What does he have to say to you this morning? Is he crying out for you to spend time with him? Is there something that you need to know right now, this coming year, that is going to be significant? And you will only find that if you spend time with him. Ephesians 5 tells us that Christ loved the church like a husband loves his wife. It says he died for the church that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. When he's talking about the church, that's you and me. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. In his prayer in John 17, he says to his father, sanctify them through your truth. And your word is truth. And as you have sent me into the world, even so I am sending them into the world. And I sanctify myself for their sake, so that they, are also, they also might be sanctified in truth. Is there anything in your own life, in your heart, that is not sanctified? That is coming between you and God, that can hinder your relationship with God? As God's people, we're to rise above the mundane and stand as residents of God's kingdom. We have a different allegiance, a holy alliance, a banner of truth and righteousness that is our identifying marker.